I got a mic? We do have a microphone here. Well, we're very, uh, very pleased that we get to hear from our bishop, uh, Bishop Rob Patterson. Rob is the bishop of the Allegheny uh, Regional Conference of the Brethren in Christ. And uh, he oversees about 40 churches right now. We added on some, some new churches. We have so, some new churches in the family who've uh, joined us in the lower Maryland and into uh, Virginia and some of those parts. And uh, so his territory covers quite a lot of distance. And uh, so we don't get to see him here as often as we used to. But today we get to hear from him by video. And uh, uh, I had... Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, it's working, so this is good. Anyway, I invite you to, uh, to listen and to hear what Rob has to say. Uh, he has a great message for us this morning. So. Thanks, Bishop Rob, uh, coming at you. And um, I want to begin by giving you just a little bit of an update on my personal health. Um, lots of folks have inquired. And I'm not the best at getting updates out, but uh, I'll let you know at this moment in time, as uh, we tape this message, why um, it's, in my case, still an unknown. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons, at least, that I have not given updates is because there's not much to update. I've been through a battery of tests uh, to try and determine why I had an incident of syncope during a high fever. and. At this point, I have literally been examined head to toe. I've had electrodes on my scalp for an EEG, and I've had a neurologist examine my toes. And so um, head to toe, the only thing right now that really is going on of significance is swollen lymph nodes between my lungs, and I'm waiting on a biopsy uh, to try and definitively determine why that is. And it could be cancer, could be infection, could be uh, something else. But at this point, it remains unknown. But thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your interest. And that's what's happening with me. Um, at this point, what we're doing is what we do each year in the Brethren in Christ Church. And that is set aside time for focused prayer and fasting uh, during the first week of the year. And this is my opportunity to communicate with you and remind you of that and encourage you to participate and be in um, that process of the community where together we come before the Lord and humble ourselves and acknowledge that honestly, apart from him, we can't do anything. He's the root, uh, he's the vine, we're only the branch. And if anything of significance and eternal fruit is going to be produced through our conference, through our lives. It's going to be because God's in it. And we partner with him and make an appeal. And so I encourage you uh, to be prayerful and uh, set aside some really focused time to get with the Lord uh, on behalf of yourself, on behalf of your family, on behalf of the, the church family, and just pray in the kingdom in a fresh way in 2023. Thanks. For right now, though, and as a message, this year, uh, 2023, we're tying in with the Brethren in Christ core values. And uh, one of those core values that I have chosen to focus on is our core value of believing the Bible. And so our core value actually states, we value the Bible as God's authoritative word 
study it together, and build our lives on its truth. And so today is a family talk. It's about us, uh, the Brethren in Christ, and specifically the Allegheny Conference. And if you're not a believer, if you're not uh, in the, the household of faith, then I'm not really talking to you, but I'm talking to the folks who do say Jesus Christ is Lord and have identified with his church and that we want to grow together in unity and close to God. And so uh, this is really for you. Now, I'm basing this largely on the second letter of Peter, uh, late in the New Testament, and what he says there in what are basically his final days. He makes it clear in this letter that his time on this earth and dwelling in this tent is coming to a close. And so he wants to pass along to those who are disciples, those who are in the church, uh, some final words and some final cautions. It, it says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that he is addressing those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the truths that he's going to present in the, his letter to the church, he says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. That's how Peter starts out his second letter. And I remind you that uh, it wasn't only Peter who had some final things to say. Uh, one of Paul's last discourses in 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8, he says that he's finished the race. It's time to go. And his charge to Timothy sounds very much like Peter's charge to the brothers and sisters in the faith. And likewise, one of Jesus' last discourses was a prophetic word regarding the perilous days ahead. And he warns mainly of deceivers who will lead many astray. And he includes this reminder. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And I go back to the Brethren in Christ core value of valuing the Bible as God's authoritative word, studying it together and building our lives on its truth. Jesus, Paul, Peter, others, as a final word before departure, stress the importance of guarding against deceivers. Beware, they say, because teachers will arise with smooth tongues, slick arguments, denying and distorting the truth. They will claim that the truth of Scripture is man-made myth, and many will believe them. For several decades, I've held up the Bible as the highest standard of all reference points. I still do. I always will. And like gravity, magnetism, buoyancy, similar things, the Scriptures are dependable. You can use them as a reference, as a guide, and know whether you're going where you want to be going and straight. However, um, one of the things that's happened recently is I've had to rethink that just a little bit and revisit it uh, because 
Bubbles go up and compass needles point north, usually. I learned an important lesson recently because, um, well, my friends in, in Roanoke at La Roca uh, gave me a birthday present when I visited the, the church on uh, Sunday, November 13th. And as someone who is an aficionado of instruments of telemetry and things, I gladly took the compass that they gave me as a birthday present, a very nice uh, compass, by the way, and uh, put it onto my desk and located it in between a gauge trio that I have that tell me, uh, the th it's the thermometer, tells me the temperature, hygrometer that tells me the humidity uh, has a clock, and on the other side of the compass is my altimeter. I'm not sure how many of you have an altimeter on your desk, but I do. Uh, not that my elevation changes, but I do know the barometric pressure if I set the elevation correctly. So anyway, one day I noticed that the needle on the compass on my desk was pointing south. And that made no sense to me because I know which way north is from my office and the needle was pointing southeast. And uh, so I picked it up. I thought maybe the needle was locked. It has a locking mechanism. No, it was unlocked and so forth. And um, I turned the compass around, I turned my body around, and when I turned around, the needle swung and it still pointed southeast. I walked away from my desk and the needle spun and reordered and then pointed north. I went back over and it turned and pointed southeast and so forth. Well, then I realized that the filing cabinet in front of my desk was covered with magnets holding up pictures. It's sort of my prayer wall. And I have uh, lots of pictures of people that I pray for. And the compass was not lying. It's just that the magnets were. Because rather than pointing toward magnetic north and the North Pole, the, the needle was pointing toward the magnets that were on the wall. But the magnets that were on the wall were not uh, <laughs> oriented with the North Pole. And I, it, it, it hit me. It was kind of a revelation that like those magnets, magnetic personalities and magnetic teachings can obscure the truth, get in the way. And so it's possible for us to find ourselves following a path that's not the true path. It's an attractive path. And uh, those small magnets on the cabinet are not really more powerful than the Earth's magnetic field, not by a massive margin. But you know what I, I learned years ago that I can take my thumb and if I hold it close enough to my eyes, it's bigger than the sun. That's a distortion, it's a kind of lie. But um, anyway, in the same way that my thumb can block the sun, appealing interpretations can overshadow the inspired text. And According to Peter in his letter, and I'm going to be paraphrasing many parts of this rather than take the time to read it uh, word for word, but I encourage you to read it. Read the whole letter. Read your Bible uh, regularly. But anyway, um, one of the most ancient heresies that continues to exist is to deny Jesus, deny him in any part of who he is or how the Bible describes him. So in other words... Um, there are many folks who would say Jesus never really came in the flesh. He was only spirit. Or Jesus never really was in the spirit. He was just a great teacher in the flesh. Or ne Jesus never existed at all, and he's just a myth, and, and so forth. And 
Peter gets after that and addresses it, and he says, we were eyewitnesses. Uh, this would be chapter 1, verse 16. We did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And Peter goes on to say that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. No prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Jesus as prophesied, Jesus as uh, recorded on the earth, Jesus in the eyes of the eyewitnesses and beyond and to now is very real, very complete. And we testify to that, and we testify to the, the value of the Scriptures and of the Bible in fully describing who Jesus is. So don't uh, find yourself following some attractive teaching that scratches your ears and is just what you want to hear, but rather stay close to Jesus of the Scriptures. And by Jesus of the Scriptures, I mean all of Jesus, not just the nice Jesus, not just the Jesus of one of the Gospels, but Jesus throughout Jesus, even as depicted and seen in the Old Testament in places, Jesus of the Gospels, Jesus of the Epistles, Jesus of the Revelation, Jesus. Peter reminded us that, and he's reminding his hearers because he's going to depart, the words of Scripture are dependable. They're inspired. This did not come from some man-made uh, development. It's not some myth these are the real words of God. You read the Bible, you read what God has to say. He said it through men, he partnered with people who wrote it down, but they're God's words. And they come to us and are illuminated by the Holy Spirit as we have an open heart, a humble heart, and study them together. Be very cautious and hear me. Please, hear me. Allegheny Conference, hear me. Be very cautious when anyone says, times have changed, we know better now. Technology has changed, but people are still the same. In many ways, uh, the enemy doesn't have to change his tactics. He doesn't have to, you know, Paul says we're aware of his schemes. Why would he have to adjust when they still work so well? When interpreting and implying the scriptures, we, the brethren in Christ, speak of doing so together with Christ at the center. We call it Christocentric. And I think that's a good thing. But, of course, the center of making Jesus the center is believing and obeying Jesus. There's no point in saying that we're Christocentric if we're not committed to obeying and accepting and believing the Scriptures and acting accordingly. The ever-present temptation of the enemy is to exchange the Christocentric view for the anthropocentric lens. Anthropocentric or anthropocentrism is the belief that human beings are the center or the most important entity in the universe. That's a great temptation, but it's wrong. Anthropocentrism results in interpretations uh, of Scripture that deny the validity of anything that is somehow uh, determined to be or deemed as negative toward humanity. And there's a lot of the Bible that can be deemed as negative toward humanity. Peter goes on in his letter into the second chapter, and he uses two examples from uh, scriptural history. 
One is of Noah and the ark. The other's of Lot and the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, you know, there's a lot of teaching that comes and goes, but it's, it's rising, in my estimation, that tends to want to say, well, uh, the story of the ark and the flood didn't really happen. And if it did, God wouldn't do it because God wouldn't do something like that to people. Likewise with Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we're not sure that really happened. And if it did happen, God didn't do it because God wouldn't do something like that, that destructive to people and destroy all of those, uh, those folks. Anthropocentrism. It's the belief that humanity is at the center and humanity is somehow born perfect, entitled, righteous, whatever you want to say, and doesn't deserve uh, that kind of treatment. Whereas the scripture teaches the opposite, that a holy God has created us, we've rejected a holy God, and in rejecting a holy God uh, who is supreme in authority, he can do whatever he wants to do. And we should respect and fear that. This idea and notion of that there's no literal hell or God never ordered the destruction of people, uh, then it kind of morphs into God would never restrict my freedoms. And what's good is what I feel is good. God loves me and wants me to be happy, etc. And we get confused on who's in charge and where the center is and what the priorities are. Uh, and it can cause us to think incorrectly and follow the wrong set of magnets. Follow the, the magnetic path that's not good and not healthy for us. Um, oddly enough, I, I have a long list of illustrations that I could illustrate this, but uh, one of the ones that, that struck me not too long ago was I read an article in the newspaper that the police were outside of the bars uh, in, in the early hours of the morning to check for uh, DUIs, drunken drivers. And people were up in arms because they said, you know, that's profiling, that's targeting. Why would they you know, sit outside the bars and just pick up people outside the bars? My thought is, uh, duh, it's enforcing the law in the place where you need to be. And uh, this mindset of, I don't want you to do that, or you don't have a right to do that. How about just behave? The laws are there for a purpose, and, you know, and likewise with the Bible. Many things that the, that the Bible instructs are really healthy and really good. Just behave. Um, you know, we could wipe out STDs with some behavioral change and obedience to the scriptures rather than just try and invent new solutions and cures. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Um, but if you think it's only somebody else's problem, usually I can uh, say, have you ever broken the speed limit? Yeah. Me. My. My. Uh, what I should be allowed to do. Anyway, from the Garden of Eden till the present, or to the present, and for all eternity, the test of our love for God is our obedience. Is he my priority? I think the answer is clear in the Bible. Humanity is important to God, but he takes precedence over people. And it's important to remember that. And 
he sacrificed his son on behalf of redeeming humanity, but the end goal was restored relationship in which he's worshiped in spirit and in truth. The end goal is not simply sparing humanity and humanity's destruction or punishment. We're here to love him wholeheartedly as our number one priority. Loving one another, loving one another comes second. The first order of business is to love God. And then as we love God, we obey God and love one another. That becomes extremely critical as we interpret the Bible and uh, look to live obediently. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36, as uh, Judah is just about to be overrun and crushed and taken into captivity in Babylon, the Bible records this. It's right within the last couple of verses of 2 Chronicles in chapter 36. And it says, the Lord, the God of their fathers, sent to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until there was no remedy. Make no mistake, Jesus Christ... Our Lord, and the word Lord is important, our Savior uh, has authority, and he's here as the crucified and risen Savior, Deliverer, but that's God's message of compassion, saying he doesn't want any to be lost, giving time, giving space, uh, through the Holy Spirit, giving power. But listen, make no mistake, that messenger of compassion impregnates his message with a strong warning and caution uh, about, you know, repentance and the importance of obedience in following God. Jesus picks up right where John the Baptist left off, Mark 1, 14 to 15. Now, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Eight times in Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus says, repent Please do not confuse God's compassion and desire for people to be saved with some kind of approval or disinterest or weakness in regard to our obedience or disobedience. Disobedience will be disciplined. A day of reckoning must occur, and it most certainly will. Nevertheless, as I mentioned, our first order of business is to love God. Twisting his words to suit ourselves is not loving God, most of all, or wholeheartedly. Let's pray that God will shine brightly in our hearts and in our minds, and that we'll approach his word submissively, lovingly, obediently. He is God. His ways are best. And we do not do right by him when we trust more in our own understanding or our own desires than we do in what he has spoken to us and has been recorded for us in his word. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I pray that you would fulfill 
this request in our day and in our time. That you would pour your spirit fresh and new regularly into our hearts and minds. That he would teach us your ways and empower us to live obediently. Help us to follow in your footsteps on the path that you said is narrow. And there are a few that find it. But may we be there right behind you, step for step, walking where you walk and where you lead. Grant us, God, uh, confidence and peace and courage, wisdom and discernment. And I pray that we, your people, will live fresh and new with power, bearing good fruit daily as salt and light. May we be part of your plan to dispel the darkness and uh, for the light to shine, your light and the light of your glory. Make it so, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention and listening. May God bless you. And in 2023, may you experience the fullness of his shalom. Amen. Um, as Bishop Rob alluded to at the beginning of his message, that uh, he's been uh, through a, a lot of testing because he had uh, this incident where he was he went unconscious unexpectedly, and they've been trying to figure out what's going on ever since. And uh, so he has not been allowed to drive. And so Daryl, his wife, has been driving him everywhere, which is a lot of distance to cover. And, uh, and now, this week, the two of them have come down with COVID. And so on top of his, the weakness that he has from whatever this illness is that he's been having, uh, the COVID has uh, invaded their household. So why don't we take a moment and just pray specifically for that. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask for healing. We, we thank you for our bishop and, and uh, for Daryl and the, the, just the sacrifice of service that they give there's so many hours and there's so much traveling and uh, there's so much time that they, they spend on our behalf. And, and so we come today and we ask that you would touch their bodies and heal them completely. And uh, we pray that, that you will heal Rob's illness, whatever this mystery illness is, that you will heal it entirely uh, so that he is strengthened again. And we come against this illness in the name of Jesus and we pray for full recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.